Amen. Good singing. You can go ahead and be seated at this time. And uh, here, uh, uh, a few weeks ago, we got to have Brother Keo, our missionary to Cambodia with us. He's actually with us tonight, visiting, because we're kind of on an off night tonight. And so we have the privilege of having him in our service. He's been kind of using us as a central location as he's been going to other churches in the area. So we praise the Lord that we've been able to uh, do that. And uh, it's also been good fellowship. He came to one of our coffees and uh, got to answer a lot of questions. We love having our missionaries. Our missionaries, they truly are. Uh, They're the heartbeat of the local church. Missions is the heartbeat of the local church. And we are just always thrilled when we can uh, extend our ministry, which is what the Great Commission is all about. We can't, we can't go to Cambodia, but we can sure send our support there so that uh, Brother Keo can start churches there. And uh, as much as we'd love to, we can't all go to Hawaii, but we do have a missionary that is in Hawaii. And uh, we actually started supporting him, I think it was at the beginning of your deputation, I think, or right thereabouts. And so he hadn't actually started yet. Now, he was born and raised in Hawaii, and God called him back to, um, to plant a church there. They actually planted the church in the summer of 2019. Uh, not a really good time to plant a church, but you know what? Uh, there's, no such, there's no such time as a bad time, because we need churches everywhere. And so uh, God called them there the summer of 2019. They started a church, and then came the, the big crash in 2020 of shutting everything down. But they persevered, and Hawaii is a difficult field as it is. Um, we think of palm trees and beaches and, and sun. The problem is that's why everyone's there. They're not there for the Lord. And so... Um, uh, it, it's very, very tough. Uh, like a, I've always said that it's like a foreign uh, field, even though it's part of the United States of America. It's a very tough field. Um, but uh, they're doing a good job over there, and we are, we're, we are glad to be part of that ministry there. Plus that, it gives me an opportunity to go on a missions trip to Hawaii sometime. <laughs> I know you're thinking, what about Cambodia, right? <laughs> Anyways, so uh, Brother Maderos, you and your wife, you've been a blessing to us. We are thrilled to have you with us. So I'm going to go ahead and, and turn it over to you. Come on up here and give us a report. Let us know how things are going. And uh, also, preach the word. Amen. That's good. Alrighty. Well, evening, everybody. Glad to be here. As we say in Hawaii, aloha. <laughs> Glad to have you guys here, of course, tonight. And, of course, for those who do not know, uh, my name is Travis Medeiros, and my family and I are pl- uh, church planners. Uh, they're in Hawaii on the island of Oahu, uh, really to my hometown of Kailua. And so, once again, it's, it's me, my wife, and, of course, our daughter, who's seven years old now. Our son just turned four, I think, two weeks ago. And then also uh, we have our son who's about a year and a half. He's a year and a half. And so, once again, his name is Thomas. And so he's the newest addition to our family. And so the main thing is make sure you got the, yeah, it's got a good, yeah, okay, we're good, okay. They're tapping like, come on, Travis. I'm like, oh, I hope I don't mess this up. <laughs> and so we should be good, though. 
And so, but once again, we're glad to be here. And I really want to say thank you to you guys for praying for us. Because once again, we can't do this without your support, without your love, without your prayers. Because we've seen time and again, God just bring to us just amazing situations, amazing opportunities. And I really do just chalk it up to the people like you who are praying for us uh, there in Hawaii. And so I want to really share with you tonight really what God has done so far there. Of course, as pastor was sharing, uh, my family and I started on deputation in 2016. Uh, we traveled for three years total, literally to the day, three years. And we, vi we think we drove 122,000 miles, uh, visited 212 different churches. And so we kept busy. I called about 200 churches a week. And so we kept busy at it. And so just trying to raise that support. But the thing is, thankfully, in the summer of 2019, God provided where we had enough support. We had enough of our startup costs as well, too. And so we were ready to go. And so the end of May, uh, we headed out there, May of 2019, we headed back to Hawaii. Uh, didn't know where we we're going to meet uh, for the church, didn't know where we we're going to live uh, for as a family. But thankfully, my aunt, uh, she had a, a, a separate apartment that we could stay in for a month or two. And so that was a blessing and whatnot. But still, uh, God did a tremendous work there in those first couple of months. As we got there in June, we kind of hit the road running, started looking for a place for the church. Uh, found this little, little storefront, about 900 square feet. Uh, of space and so we're like it's not a lot of space but uh, we can make it happen as i was sharing with pastor it was a it was a former gym a workout place so it's kind of smelly uh yeah <laughs> and so and it was painted i think it was a uh, blue on the bottom white or red and then white everywhere else and so we had to get some painting done there was no flooring done so i had to do a lot of work and so most of our startup costs went to that and so, but thankfully God provided that to us. But on the family side, uh, we were still looking for a place for us to live. And of course, as you know, Hawaii is a little expensive. I think you guys are joining us up there with more expensive as well too. Uh, but the average cost of a home at that time was about a million dollars. And now officially it is, it's 1.2, I think it's getting up there where that's pretty much the average cost of a home. I was just sharing with somebody a house on our street, Maluniu. Uh, it had a fire about six months ago, and that fire burned out house. I mean, totally, you're going to have to tear it down and everything. It's still worth $800,000, $900,000, you know? So just how in the world, how does that happen? I don't know. But the thing is, you know, we don't have that kind of money. So God, we were just praying, God, give us something that we can rent. And uh, thankfully, Lord willing, through a friend of ours from another church, they said, my cousin, she's been looking for a renter, and so give her a call. And so we called her. And pretty much it came down to it. It was $1,000 more than we could afford that our budget was. And so we said, thank you for thinking of us. Thank you for listening to us. Uh, but obviously it's not going to work out. But just let us know if anything else pops up. Literally the next day, that, that, that cousin, she calls us and she says, you know what? I was doing my devotions this morning and I was asking God, God, use me to do something for you. And that's when you came to mind, Pastor Travis. And I said, you know what? I'm just going to give it to you for the $1,000 off so you guys can stay there. And, and you know, I want to be, be a help in that way. I think God's going to use me that way. So that's what I want to do. And we're just like, I mean, jaws drop like, wow, <laughs> you know. And so the, the blessing was, too, it was a bigger house, obviously, for our family as well, too. It was bigger than the church. We're like, if we can only trade the square footage for a house for the church and the opposite way. But that's just not how it worked out. But still, we use it as a tool to, to serve our community, to serve people in our church as well, too. So it's a blessing. Parking is a little tight. Uh, they only have like two spaces for us, so but still we figure it out. Uh, but still, that all happened. I mean, all of that happened within two months. We got there with nothing, no leads, no anything. And literally two months later, the church was being renovated. We were moving into our house. And there on August 25th, 2019, the church started. So three months, we got there with nothing. Three months later, 
everything was going because we figured why stop why wait let's just get started you know we're ready to go so we started with that and thankfully from all of our outreach the weeks before we had visitors coming on that first day a couple of them stayed got plugged in got plugged into the church so it was a blessing uh, we saw our first salvation there in october of 2019 a gentleman by the name of dennis uh, really been he's been religious his entire life but when i was able to sit down with him talk to him about the bible answer his hundreds of questions that he had about the Bible, he finally says, you know what, Pastor Travis, I think I need to get saved. I think I need to accept Christ as my Savior. And right there, accepted Christ as a Savior. And so what a true true blessing that was to see that first uh, first salvation there. A couple weeks later, I think a week later, actually, we went to Kailua Beach and we had a, a baptismal service there right after the morning service. And so, you know, it's a little bit tricky when waves are, you know, Baptist, I'm assuming this is the baptistry, correct? <laughs> These waves are not like the ocean waves. I mean, I was there just talking, and all of a sudden the wave, you know, just covers us. I'm like, we're kind of like baptized now, but yeah, let's, let's officially do this, I guess, you know. And so, but still, it was a great, great time for our church, great time uh, for them to grow as well, too. Uh, a little bit later, a gentleman by the name of uh, Richard came to our church, 82 years old. And I remember same deal, just sat with him and talked with him about the Bible. He said, you know what, Pastor, I've prayed prayers before. I've gone to services. You know, they say you want to be saved. I said, yeah, I want to be saved. But really, I just don't know. I really don't know if I die today. I don't know if I'd make it to heaven. And I said, well, Richard, the thing is, I don't want you to just pray a prayer here either. I want you to know. You know, and so I went through the gospel with him, went through salvation with him. And, you know, it was weeks, like days and days, weeks and weeks. And I just said, just keep praying about it. Keep praying about it. Keep talking to you about it. And thankfully, there in December of 2019, Richard, at 82 years old, accepted Christ as his Savior. And, of course, we went to the beach and we got baptized the first time. Then I really baptized him <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, there after that. So we, we tried to figure it out. We still failed at that. <laughs> and so, but once again, what a blessing that was. But, of course, even after that, seeing uh, lives changed, families getting added to our church. It was still a small church, but still God was working. And then, of course, COVID hit uh, there in, the Mar in March of 2020. Everything shut down. Everything went online. We didn't know what we were doing online. Our, we had a camera that could record only 15 minutes at a time. So... I would preach for 15 minutes, Sarah would be like, stop, <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, reset, <laughs> yeah. and so that was an interesting thing, but still went on, went on to doing that, and thankfully we were able to open up, I think back in June of 2020, as soon as we could, we opened up back again, but still, it wasn't the same, I'm sure just like with your church as well too, and so some people came, some people had to move, some people weren't, like Richard, he was in a retirement home and things like that, so everything just changed, and so it was a really tough time for I think from June of 2020 for seven months we never saw one visitor not one at all before that every week we'd have a visitor every week we would see somebody come we'd be able to go out door knocking and invite people to church but for seven whole months nobody and so it was a very interesting time still filming still being faithful every single service we were there a couple services just me and my family just that's it you know but I figured God called us here it's not to be for the crowds for the numbers it's God has you know brought us here for a job there's people praying for us supporting us I mean, we got to do what we got to be, we're called to do. And so we're just there preaching the God's word. And, you know, it's funny about it. I met a guy just the other day. I was picking up our church signs. He came to me. He's like, Pastor, are you the pastor? And he said, are you the pastor of the church? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm the pastor of the church, collecting all the signs. He's like, man, I'm glad I can finally meet you, you know. I walk by your church every Sunday evening. Every Sunday evening, I look in there, and you know what I see? It's empty. But you know what? I see you preaching there passionately and everything. I got to visit you guys. I got I to gotta come to one of those services. And so he's yet to come, but still, I was just like, see, people notice you, though, you know? Notice the faithfulness of it. And so, But the blessing is, after that whole bit of no visitors coming for seven months, we started seeing people come 
uh, there in the early part of uh, later part of 2020, early part of 2021, and families began coming, families getting plugged in. We were able to finally start a kids ministry. Pretty much our kid ministry started with just our daughter, Anna. We're like, you know what? I don't want to rob her of knowing about God, learning about God, learning about the gospel. So I said, just, let's just do it. She's going to be our daughter, and you know, we'll see how that goes. And eventually more kids came. Anna's like, yes, we have friends that are coming now. And so it's a super exciting time. And now I think this past Sunday we had about nine or ten kids that are plugged in, uh, been faithfully coming with their families. But just kind of our whole the whole theme of it all is just pretty much God's called us here to do something. Let's just be faithful at it. Let's just do what we're supposed to be doing and be faithful in that and trust in the Lord to provide really the increase of whatever may be, of people, of families, and whatnot, just putting our trust in Him. And we've truly seen God increase and truly seen God bless in those ways. And so 2021, uh, like I said, came. Families were coming. Uh, I remember one time we had a family that came. They invited two families. Both of those families came. They've been coming faithfully now. So it's just been adding on and adding on and adding on. It, it truly is like our theme this year is. Our theme this year is planted. And it's talking about even how in Colossians it says, you know, uh, Paul planted, Apollos watered, but who gave the increase? It's God. And that's just what we're doing. We're staying faithful in planting, staying faithful in watering, and just praying and waiting on God to give us the increase. And so God's been increasing our church as I was sharing with Pastor, I think this past uh, Easter, we had 45 people in attendance. Our church was packed, you know, people everywhere, people fellowshipping. It was just an amazing, the kids' church was going crazy. I mean, we had a great time. What an amazing service that was. And even better, though, I know the week of Easter happens, and then the next week, it's, I think I shared the joke with you, you, preach, you, 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 you celebrate the empty tomb, and the next Sunday, you celebrate the empty pew. <laughs> and so I heard a pastor say that, I'm like, that's pretty spot on, so... But even though we had less people the next week, still, one of the families that came on Easter, they came back this past Sunday. And so but for, as a, for a pastor, I'm like, amen, that's good. Let's keep going, you know. Let's get them plugged in. And so, once again, God's been good. God's been growing our church. But I just want to extend to you once again, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for staying connected with us. You know, because really, we can't do this without you guys, you know. I mean, even through COVID, for the financial support part, we were able to pay our bills on time and for our landlord, that was a huge deal. I mean, they're just like, you guys, I don't know how you guys do it, but I, I love you guys. I care about you guys. And so it allowed us to, to really create a way that we can have a relationship with our landlord, landlord in a way that probably wouldn't have happened before, you know? And so once again, I just want to thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your sacrifice. And of course, thank you for your prayers here at Corridor Baptist Church. But this time, let's get into God's Word here today. And of course, we'll be after the service, so be able to answer some questions if you have any. We'd love to do that. But let's go ahead and grab our Bibles here this evening. Let's open up to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 10. Find our place here today. <coughs> Luke chapter 10, beginning in verse number 25. Luke chapter 10, verse number 25, and pretty much, you know, if you're not unfamiliar with the story, many of us are probably familiar with the story, some great truths here, of course, but today we're going to be talking about really who is my neighbor, who is my neighbor, and so I want you to join with me there, Luke chapter 10, verse number 25, we'll read through the passage and then we'll dive deep into it, seeing what truth God has for us here this evening. Verse 25, and behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law? That's what Jesus said. What is written in the law? How readest thou? And he answering said, 
Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt, thou shalt live. Verse 29. But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? This dialogue between Jesus and the religious crowd of the day came to this point of who do we love. And of course, before we get into who we love, I want to talk for a moment that word love there. Of course, the word love there in the English, you know, we, we, we say love a lot, but especially in the Greek, it gets even deeper than that. And see, if we, we take a look at this word love, it's really talked about loving the agape kind of love, the unconditional love, the love that God gives to each and every one of us. We're supposed to be extending that to the people that surround us as well too, reflecting that love to the people involved in our life. Now, once again, that's what the word love is, but who is that neighbor? Is it just the people close to me? Is it just the people next to me? What does that mean? And so we're going to be investigating, taking a look here at what, who, how can we love our neighbor and, of course, who our neighbor is. So I want you to notice, if you're taking notes here this evening, and I encourage you to do so if you can, we see, first of all, number one, a question to answer a question. Number one, a question to answer a question. See, we see here the lawyer, he asks a question, and Jesus does what? He answers with a question. Did you notice that? You know, and by the way, Jesus does it a lot. Jesus, often, when, when people would come to him and ask him questions, he would ask them a question back, and with that question, they would give an answer. And of course, he does that because he wanted them to start thinking about what the right answer is. And so Jesus responds with a question. The lawyer asks the question, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus' answer is the question, what is written in the law? How readest thou? What do you think? Look in the law. You're a lawyer. You know what you're talking about. What does the law say? And as a good lawyer, he replied with the Shema. It says they're answering, verse number uh, 27, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy strength and with all thy mind and thy neighbor as thyself. So we see, first of all, here this lawyer, first of all, he gave the right answer, letter A. First answer, love God. The first answer, love God. In other words, we see here there's no hypocrisy here, right? It's all our love toward God because the truth is we'll never get horizontal love right if we don't first have vertical love right between us and God. Well, we're never going to love others as we ought to be loving others if we don't love God as we ought to be loving Him. And what I love about churches whose vertical love is right with this agape kind of love is that that's, you know, that's how every church should be, right? We should be loving people just like Jesus and God loves us. Every age, whether especially in Hawaii, whether you have military or local people, you know, it doesn't matter whether rich or poor, everyone coming together and everybody worshiping the Lord. I mean, that's how it's going to be in heaven one day, right? And I always tell people, you know, they're like, well, I don't know about this person. I don't know about them. I don't know about them. I'm like, well, in heaven, you're going to be surprised, man, because, you know, it's going to be everybody from all kinds, all kinds of races, every tongue. I mean, that's just how it's going to be. I mean, so, ladies and gentlemen, though, we're never going to be able to love our neighbor, though, if we first do not love God. We will never get it right horizontally if we never get it right first visit, uh, vertically. And so the first answer is, love God. But then this lawyer, he adds the verse there, verse number 27, he says, And he answering said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. 
So we see here, first you have to love God. The second one, letter B, love others. Love others as well. Now, God is not com- uh, commanding us in this verse to, to love others, just to kind of establish us because, you know, we, we, uh, to love ourselves, I should say. Here in America, we, we have a problem, of course. We like to love ourselves. We're really good at it, right? Uh, I think we don't struggle with that. Uh, of course, you look on Instagram and Facebook and TikTok and tweet, I guess tweeting too. You know, The thing is, people like to put, put, put out themselves. They want to be influencers. They want to influence other people, pretty much saying, look at me and look what I'm doing. And, of course, pretty much bringing praise to themselves. We kind of get this idea that I'll do it as long as I even get something out of it, right? We have that in America as well, too. Or what's in it for me? I'll have this friendship. I'll do this thing for you. But what do I get out of it? And these kind of mentalities are not what God commanded here. In Ephesians chapter 5, God talks there about the husband in a marriage relationship. But notice what he says, Ephesians 5, 28. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth it and cherisheth it. You see, you don't have to love yourself because that's not a problem at all. It naturally comes to us. We, we naturally do that. We love ourselves really. We love ourselves too much is what it comes to be. But what God is saying here is this. Do you love your neighbor as yourself? Husbands, do you love your wife as yourself? Do you give others the benefit of the doubt like you give yourself the benefit of the doubt? You know, do you, are you forgiving with, as you're forgiving with yourself, do you extend that to other people as well too? Do you speak positively about others like you speak positively about yourself? You know? So you see, we already love ourselves. We already nourish ourselves. We already take care of ourselves. And God is saying now, now we have to give that self-love that we're so good at, we now have to give that really to other people. Not focusing on ourselves, giving ours, us that self-love. We don't struggle with that, but the struggles or the, the challenge is this. Taking that same love that you have for yourself and giving it to other people. And so we see here in this first answer, we see it's really two parts. The first part is loving God. Because once again, if we don't love God vertically, if, it's that, if that's not correctly, we're not going to be doing it correctly horizontally. But then we must love others. How should we love others? How, how is that going to be? We need to love others as we love ourselves. 1 John chapter 4, verse 7 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. And everyone that loveth is born of God and knoweth God. Now watch this, verse 8. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. And he goes a little bit deeper, a little bit later on the passage, verse number 20, he says this, If a man say... I love God and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we, uh, have we from him, that he who loveth God love his brother also. And so we see here, first of all, tonight, this lawyer, he had the right answers, right? He wasn't wrong. He quoted the Shema, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. He quotes it perfectly there. Love God, love others, but... There's also another person that we can love, and that's, of course, self. And the thing I want you to understand here today, though, is this, that there are, that there are, there are really three potentials for love in our lives, right? We can love God, we can love others, and we can love ourselves. I mean, that's kind of all that it kind of boils down to. Now, the question here tonight for you, the question tonight here for me is, how does that get organized, right? And that's kind of the question for life. Many people, they say, well, 
moi, I'm first, of course, you know. Number one is me, then maybe others, and then if I'm, or maybe I'm a Christian, I go for God, and the next others, you know. But the question is, how do you organize that in your life, right? Well, as, I, as I've heard somebody said before, if you want joy in your life, it needs to be organized like this. Jesus, others, and then you. And it's really an acronym, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and you. That's how you have joy in your life. Once again, it agrees exactly with, with, with what we talked about, having that right relationship vertically. And, of course, that right relationship vertically to love God, it starts with salvation, right? And the thing is, this isn't primarily a salvation message, but as we do at Malahia Baptist Church, every message is a salvation message. We offer it to everybody because that could be their last chance. That could be their only one and only time that they hear it. And so it needs to be proclaimed, and I, I definitely believe that even here tonight. You know, I don't know who's in the crowd. I don't know exactly your spiritual condition or what level you're at with the Lord here this evening. But the, the reality is, number one, you need to love God. You need to accept Christ as your Savior, right? Because the, the, the bad news is this. Of course, number one, we're all sinners. The Bible says, Romans 3.23, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Now, I always do this when I say come short because if you know Pastor Travis... I'm not a basketball player. <laughs> and so I've never, I mean, I've, I've played, but just to say I didn't make it. <laughs> even in the high school level, even in the junior high level, elementary was my, my shining moment. So, you know, but the thing is this, I always say that to people because it's like me. When I shoot that ball, I mean, it looks perfect. It's going to go right into the hoop. I mean, you can just see it happening, swooshing through. But in my reality, what happens is this. It goes and it, what? Falls short. As we would say on the court, air ball you know and so i would hear that a lot but the thing is i like to use that because it, it perfectly explains that god's perfect standard is this you got to make it in the hoop you have to be perfect but we as humans we always fall short all have sinned and come short of the glory of god and because of that we are sinners now you're like well that's a bummer that's kind of a bad news thing but it actually gets worse because the bible says romans 6 23 for all uh, for the wages of sin is death the wages of sin is death. The thing that we deserve, the thing that we've earned, just like you work a job for a number of hours, the wage that you earn is money, whatever the, the, the amount may be. For the hours that you put in, this is the money that you get out. And for us as sinners, because we are sinners, what we deserve, the Bible says, is death. It's separation from God in a place called hell. And see, that's the bad news. That's the horrible news. But like we preach uh, there on Easter morning, I love this mural here, by the way. That's whoever painted that. Amazing. And praise the Lord for that. But the thing is, He is alive. You know, Jesus is risen from the dead. The gift of eternal life is offered by God because that verse, Romans 6.23, goes, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through who? Through Jesus Christ our Lord. I can't tell you how many times I've you know, gone door knocking, talking to people in church and all that, I asked them, well, if you were to die today, you know, do you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven? And many of them would say no, in which I appreciate the honesty. And even sometimes they say yes. I'm like, well, if you, if you believe that, how, what, what makes you believe that? And they're like, well, I'm a good person. I've done good things. I've been baptized this time. I go to this church. I've been a member of this church. I, this and that and this and that. But the thing is, ladies and gentlemen, none of those are found in the Bible to get you to heaven. The Bible says, for the wages of sin is death, but... The gift of eternal life is through who? Jesus Christ our Lord. Once again, I grew up there in, in Kailua, there on the island of Oahu, and I, I, I grew up in a religious system that pretty much said, be a good person, do good things, and cross your fingers, hopefully in the end you make it. You know, And that's what I did. I was a good person, did good things. 
out of the Ten Commandments, I, I, you know, I kept seven of them pretty well. So 70 is a passing grade, right? I mean, that's, you know, that's kind of how I viewed it. I was just like, I'm pretty good. I'm not like that guy. I'm not like that lady. You know, I'm, I'm a pretty good guy. But that all changed, though, when I got under the preaching of God's Word. When the pastor, when my youth pastor, when everybody would preach that, hey, that being a good person, doing good things doesn't get you to heaven. It doesn't. It makes you feel better. It makes you maybe even look better. But in God's economy, in God's word, it's pointless. It's useless, you know. It doesn't do anything in that way. And it was because of that and because of many other verses, many other even prayers and people, you know, that have invested in me that I came to know that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. And I'm thankful for my youth pastor there in November 2003 sharing with me how I have to ask Jesus for the forgiveness of my sins and to give me eternal life. And there in November 2003, I accepted Christ as my Savior. But I say all that to say this. If you're here today saying, Pastor Travis, you know, the thing is, I don't know. If I walked out those doors here tonight and I just dropped dead, very morbid, I understand that, I get that. But if I just dropped right there, I don't know if I'd make it to heaven. I don't know if I'd end up in hell. I honestly don't know. If that's what you believe or if that's what you think here today, I encourage you to get that settled. You can talk with pastor. I mean, there, I'm sure there's many people that we can, you can talk to here this morning or this evening to get that settled. Even me, I would love to stay here. You know, I would love to talk with you for the night. Tomorrow we can meet up. I mean, we'll cancel most of our trip just to be able to talk with you about it. I mean, to be honest, you know, because it's really that important of a thing. My wife's like, oh, Travis. <laughs> but she understands it as well, too. You know, I even told, I even told our church, you know, on Sunday, I'm like, hey, I'm not going to be here. But I mean, you call me. I'm there next week. I'll be there. I mean, I even tell my church. I mean, you can call me at 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm going to be a little bit late. I'm going to be a little bit slower, but I'll be there for you. Why? Because it's that important of a thing to get taken care of. And so if you have, and of course, pastor would love to talk to you. I'd love to talk to you. There'll be people that would love to talk to you about that, how you can know for sure that you're saved and on your way to have a home in heaven one day, eternal life. But I say that to say this, why? Because it's important we understand and love God correctly so that we can love others correctly as well. And so we see here this, this man, he, this, this lawyer, he answers correctly, love God, love others. But I want you to see the second point here today, uh, tonight. Number two, we see the paralysis of self. Number two, we see the paralysis of self. The paralysis of self. Take a look there, verse number 31. It's interesting, it says, verse 31, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Now, once again, Jesus gives this illustration, gives this story, uh, talking about this, this man who is beat up, who is wounded and everything. I mean, great picture of sin and what sin does for us, takes us in, spits us out, and at the end, you're just a damaged, destroyed person. I've seen it time and again, and that's what I preach all the time. Sin is not a fun toy. Sin is not something that, that, that is a great thrill. It's, it's joy for a season. But the thing is, there comes the consequences of sin. And I always tell to our church, I mean, you have that joy for a season, the pleasure of sin for a season. Then you have the consequences of sin. You get sad, depressed, whatever, defeated. And what people like to do in our world today is they like to find more joy and happiness. And so they go back to sinning. And it's just a constant circle over and over again until they change, until they accept Christ as their Savior. You see that that's not the right way to go. And so, but the thing is, that's a perfect illustration that we find here in this, in this account. But I want us to focus on the, really what these, these religious people, what they did. We see, first of all, letter A, a divine encounter. Letter A, a divine encounter. For we see in verse 31, there came down a certain priest that way. And listen, friends, no one, 
comes across our path by accident. I hope you realize that here tonight. No one comes across our path by accident. You may, you may say, well, they have to choose to come here tonight. They have to choose these things. And that's, yeah, that's true. But the question is, who influenced them, right? And God, God orchestrates these encounters each and every day of our lives. There are no accidents with God. And you're not here by accident as well, too. You're here for a reason. You're here for a truth that God wants you to have that will help you either today, this week, this month, or even later on when he brings it to your mind. You're here for a reason. And every person that will either come in through these doors or even come through, you know, Easter, Christmas, anything like that, they're not here by accident either. Every person that you'll interact with tomorrow at your house, tomorrow at the store, tomorrow wherever, it's not by accident. You know, the, uh, Job chapter 31, verse 4 says, Doth not he see my ways and count all my steps? Proverbs 16, verse 8 says, A, man div- uh, a man's heart devises his way, but the Lord directeth his steps. Jeremiah, Jeremiah chapter 10, verse 23, O Lord, I know that the way of man is not in himself. It is not in man that walketh to direct his steps. And so we see here a divine encounter. But we find also, letter B, a diminished empathy. Letter B, a diminished empathy. Once again, there in verse number 31, this diminished empathy. It says, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. This man whose whole life had been disrupted, this man who's been physically and bodily destroyed, left for dead, left alone, once again it says, He saw him, and when he saw him, what did he do? He passed by on the other side. Very interesting. Likewise, verse 32, and likewise, a Levite. When he was at the place, he came and looked on him and passed by on the other side as well. And once again, for me, and I'm sure for you, this just boggles your mind because these were religious people. This priest, this Levite, I mean, I would ask him, guys, what do you do for a living? What is your job? And they would be like, well, I'm a priest, I'm a Levite. And so I'd say, well, you're in ministry then, right? You're here to serve people, right? To help people love God. And they say, yeah. But even though that was their job, even though that was their ministry, we somehow see a lack of empathy, right? There's a, a diminished love, a diminished empathy we see here totally. Because, I mean, what kind of ministry doesn't care about people, right? As I share with you, I talk about the buildings. I talk about God providing finances. I talk about all these things, but they're great. They're wonderful, but they're all just tools. Tools for what? To reach people. Just like you guys have a building. That building is beautiful. I've seen the, med- the, 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 the blueprints for it. I know it's changed, and so don't get me wrong, but still, it's a beautiful building. But once again, you've got to realize that building is not the church. That building is a tool to reach more people for the Lord. You know, and so you've got to realize that. You know, our ministry, we have to be caring about people. What kind of a ministry loses its compassion? You know? How dare we say that we are in the ministry and not care about someone who has a need? Jeremiah said in, in, in chapter 1 of Lamentations, Is it nothing to you, all ye that pass by? But here in Luke's gospel, apparently this need was nothing to this priest. You know, it was nothing to this Levite. And what, they did, what did they do? They just passed by. This, uh, Psalm 142, the psalmist said, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no, one, uh, no man sorry, that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. And listen, may it never be said in this community, may it not be said even in my community, may it be never be said of a child that nobody cares for my soul. You know, just this past past, past uh, Sunday, past Sunday, Sunday, 
uh, a Marine passed away there on the Marine Corps base. He was swimming on the ocean, the waves got a little bit rough, and like that, died. One of the houses we door knocked right before our door knocking, uh, right before our grand opening. I went to that door, I remember that door just thankfully putting the door hanger there, wasn't able to talk to somebody. Uh, two weeks later, after we, we had our grand opening, a fire broke out and the person in the house died. You know? Why do I care about that? Why does that even matter? They didn't visit my church. They didn't come at all. Why? Because I'm praying for them. I love my community. That's a soul that was there. That was a soul there in the ocean that passed away. You've got to realize we have to have a heart for people. You know, once again, we need to care about people. You know, may it never be said that these people say, well, they're at Malahia Baptist Church. They don't, they don't love me. They never did anything for me. They never reached out to me. They never came to my door. They never gave me a gospel invitation. May it never be said. I want to be without excuse, pretty much being like, they were always there for me. They always gave the message, always with a smile, always loving. That's what I want to be said. That's what I want our testimony at Malahia Baptist Church to be. Why? Because I want them to know, not just that the pastor loves them, not just that the church loves them, but I want them ultimately to know that Jesus loves them that Jesus died on the cross for their sins so that they can have eternal life. So may it never be said of a single adult, a married couple, an elderly senior citizen, whatever, that nobody cared about my soul. May there be a church here, may there be a church there in Kailua, and of course all across the world where there will be people that care for souls. You may say, amen, that's amazing, Pastor, that's amazing, that's great stuff, I get it, amen. Well, that means that when people come through that door right there, do you love them? Well, Pastor, I don't really even know them. I mean, I don't. I never met them before, and all that. Is, I didn't ask that. I asked you, do you love them? Right? That's that's a creation of God. God loves that person, and therefore, if God loves that person, automatically, if you're a follower of God, we need to extend love to them. And so, once again, try to try to help people. Try to be kind to people. Be loving to people. Introduce them. Make them feel at home here. Right? And of course, more importantly, if God allows you, gives you the opportunity, of course, present to them God's word. Ask them about salvation. But the thing is, you know, a lot of times what we like to do, especially in situations, maybe not just like that, but in other situations where we could have an opportunity to talk to somebody, what do we do? We make up excuses, right? Well, I'm just too tired. You know, I had a long day today. I just don't really want to talk to that person. I don't really want to talk to anybody, you know? Well, you know, I don't really, I'm too busy. I got this to do. I got that to do. I, I can't talk to this person about the Savior. Uh, we'll maybe schedule it in a later time. And I get that, you know, we have schedules and things like that. But look, if we have time of any sort to be able to talk to somebody about the Bible, about you know, the gospel specifically, make that time. Why? Because whatever, what always beats upon my heart is this. I could be the last one to give them the gospel. Just like that lady. I'll never forget that lady there at the house that, that passed away. Wasn't able to talk to her, but I just thought, well, I was probably the last person to give her a gospel invitation. Because she received it. I saw it off the door and everything, so she got it. But I was probably that last person to give her that gospel invitation, right? I mean, just it's an amazing thought, but that's where you got to realize that you could be the last person to give this person the gospel. The last person to make an eternal difference. It's a, it's a, it's a heavy thing to have, but you got to realize that's the reality of it. But that only happens when? When what? When we love people, when we care for people like Jesus cared for them, like Jesus loved them. And so once again, we need to be loving uh, people all around us. People may say, especially in this, well, who's our neighbor? Well, and I'll get to that here in a second, but our neighbor is really anybody. It's not just my neighbor that I live next to. There's three definitions for neighbor. The person that lives next to you, uh, like for instance, we were on an airplane. The person next to me was my neighbor on the plane, right? And then there's also just people in our community, our neighbor. But the thing is, it applies to all of them. Everyone's our neighbor. Everyone is, is right next door to us, especially when you look at the universe. 
Everybody's very close, right? We live in the same home, technically. But <laughs> the thing is this, you know, we have to be loving people and, of course, giving the gospel message out. But no matter the season we're in, we dare not let our empathy for people to diminish. See, thirdly, letter C here, we see a deceitful expedience. Letter C. Letter C, a deceitful expedience. The Bible says they passed on the other side. They saw the need as well, too. And the Bible says they looked looked down on him. But apparently, guess what? Something on the other side of the road, it was more expedient. Something on their to-do list that day was more important than to meet the need of this man. Here's a man uh, half dead. Here's a man stripped of everything that he has, was wounded, was robbed. But something in the life of that Levite, something in the life of that priest was more important than meeting that very need. In our world today, this scenario would play out something like this. This is something how the world, uh, this verse would read out. The Bible says there in verse 31, And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side and did what? and pulled out his cell phone and filmed the whole situation and posted it on Instagram, posted it on Facebook, and just let the whole world know about the situation, right? I mean, once again, our world today, we have different priorities. Our priority isn't to help people, it's to be more popular, to be more influential. On our street, the street that we lived before in Kaneohe, a tragic thing happened where one guy hurt another guy seriously, and it was just a very, very horrible situation that happened. Well, come to find out a couple days later, they came, the police came to our house. They said, hey, somebody said you had your phone out. And we were just wondering, they said, I think they said that you were filming it. So were you filming the situation? I'm like, I was calling 911, man. I was talking on 911 the whole time. I was not filming that at all. I'm trying to get help for this guy, police here and everything. But the thing is, that's what our world is so accustomed to, right? Don't meet the need. Don't help the person. Instead, just videotape it. Instead, just you know, do that kind of stuff. But the thing is, their priority is to be influencers rather than lifesavers. To be great in this world and not great in the next world. But whenever there was a need, though, we see what? Jesus, he stopped and he met that need. It didn't matter what uh, what was on his to-do list that day. It didn't matter what he was involved in. I mean, we even looked right before uh, Palm Sunday and all that, uh, the, the, the tomb blind men. Jesus stopped the entire crowd and said, I, you know, these people have a need. You know, and they said, the, the, the son of David, have mercy upon us. You know, heal us pretty much of our blindness. And Jesus stopped for these two people. The disciples said, hey, you guys, be quiet over there. Stop, stop bothering Jesus. He's a busy guy. Don't you understand that? And Jesus is like, no, let's stop and let's confront these people. And I love Jesus because he really focuses not just on the multitudes. He really focuses on individuals. He loves people, not groups of people in the sense of that's all I focus on is this crowd. He focuses on individuals. He meets individual needs. That's the kind of Savior we serve. But in our world today, though, how do we see this world today? Do we just see it as a place to make money? You know, Do we see this world as just a place to influence, to just enjoy life, to make some friends, and that's it? You see, when Jesus saw the multitudes, what happened? He was moved with compassion. And I want to ask you the next time you're at Walmart, next time you're at Home Depot, next time you're at your... You're at like Chick-fil-A. I love Chick-fil-A, by the way. We don't have Chick-fil-A in Hawaii. Next time you're at Panera. I love Panera. We had Panera uh, today. We don't have Panera in Hawaii. But the thing is, next time you're in, a group, in, a, in an area with a large amount of people, I want you to think about this. How many of those people are going to be going to heaven? How many of those people are going to be going to hell? What is the, 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 the final destination, I guess you could say, of those people around us, right? 
a lot of times in our world today, we like to put labels on people. We like to see the uniforms, the shirts, and just say, yep, that's just a store worker. That's all it is. That just a, is, a, is a mechanic. That's all he is. But if we're going to look at people like Jesus saw people, we have to see that lady, she's, that's a soul that's going to spend eternity either in heaven or hell. That guy, as he's behind the counter, that's a soul that's going to spend eternity in either heaven or hell. And the crazy thing is, you're like, well, what am I going to do about it? Well, you, you, you know something about it, right? You, you can make a difference about it, right? Whether that is giving, of course, your testimony, whether that's giving out the gospel, or if it's even giving out a little gospel track like the one I have here from our church, just passing it out and say, here's a couple of verses that made a huge difference in my life. If you have any questions, you can call that number on the bottom, right? We can do something about it. But the, the thing is, first of all, do you see the need? Do you see the need? See, Jesus, he saw needs. And, of course, he went to do something about it. And we need to be following that same track as well, too. Seeing, being aware of the needs that surround us on a day-by-day basis. And not just sitting back saying, man, that's a problem. Pastor should go talk to that guy, you know. <laughs> but saying, you know what, I think I could do something about this. I, I accept Christ as my Savior. I have a testimony. I know the gospel. I can do this. And maybe you're like, well, I'm not good with verses, Pastor. I'm not good with this. Well, you have a Bible. I mean, we have a, I can give you a Bible, you know. We can get you a Bible where you can study God's Word and learn it and memorize it and, of course, then use it to make a difference that will last for eternity. And so we see here, we see Jesus saw the multitudes. He was moved with compassion. And may, may we likewise, as a church here tonight, be moved with compassion to people that God brings our way and that intersects with our life each and every day. But, but quickly and finally here tonight, I want you to see this. Number three, the power of sacrifice. Number three, the power of sacrifice. Take a look there, verse number 33. The Bible says, But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. You see, first of all, here tonight, we see letter A, a serving mindset. Letter A, a serving mindset. This Samaritan, of course, as we know, he was a Samaritan, right? The Jews really didn't see him as an equal. They saw him as a lesser, as a half-breed kind of a person. But still, this, this Samaritan who was not highly revered, this Samaritan who was not necessarily esteemed in the sight of other people, for he was a Samaritan, but still this Samaritan, he had what? He had a serving mindset. And this was the mindset that we find of our Savior, uh, that he has. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, great verses I encourage you to memorize it, but Philippians chapter 2, verse 5 says this, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. See, even Christ had this servant mindset, this selfless uh, ministry as well as what we see too. Letter B, I want you to notice this, This serving mindset will lead to a selfless ministry. This serving mindset will lead to a selfless, selfless, sorry, ministry. Verse 34. And went to him and bound uh, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and brought him to an inn and took care of him. You know, whatever his agenda was that day, the Samaritan, whatever his agenda was, it was soon forgotten, right? I mean, it was gone, and I don't know where the Samaritan was going, but the, the reality is he didn't end up there on time. And I don't know what was on his to-do list, but it really didn't get done at that appropriate time. So this is all because why? It was because the serving mindset led to a selfless ministry. 
his comfort was no longer important. His to-do list was no longer necessary. All of a sudden, his reputation meant nothing. It was not about him. It was about the ministry. And what's amazing is we see this leads to uh, him really going letter C, finally here tonight, the second mile. Finally tonight, letter C, the second mile. Look there, verse 35, as we walk down this verse, this passage. It says, And on the morrow, when he departed, he took out two pence, and gave them to the hosts, and said unto them, Take care of him, and whatsoever thou spendest more, when I come again, I will repay thee. See, this guy is going the extra mile, isn't he? You know what I mean? He's going to that second mile. It would have been enough, maybe, if he would have just dressed his wounds and said, Man, he had a bad day. Hopefully this helps out. Take care. That would have been pretty good, you know, better than the, the priest, better than the Levite. I mean, it would have been a blessing. It would have been enough maybe even too if he would have just bound up his wounds, took him to the end, said, hey, I'll give you one night. You had a bad day. Hopefully you can have a good night and start off the day tomorrow great, you know, kind of a thing. And that's it. <coughs> but no, this guy goes the second mile. This guy goes the third mile, the fourth mile. I mean, this guy has extended himself above and beyond. You know, even Jesus, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, and whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And Jesus here is illustrating through this Samaritan, this second mile, going beyond just what's required of us, right? And so as we close here tonight, the question I want all of us to think about and really answer in our minds is this, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? At the beginning, we probably thought, well, you know, the Smith family, the whatever family. We have uh, Kelly and Mike next to us. We have Roy, of course, as well, too, and his wife, Mika. Those are our, those are our uh, official neighbors, I guess you could say. But truly, who is your neighbor? Who is my neighbor? It's everybody, right? It's everybody. So from our lesson today, my neighbor, according to this passage, is anybody that God puts in my path that has a need that God can meet. That's everybody. And we must realize that God brought this person in my path so that I could help them to find God. And so for us, that's really the whole world. That God this week is going to bring somebody into your path. Realize that and look for that. <clears throat> I remember praying that one time, saying, God, give me the opportunity to talk to you, uh, talk, talk to somebody about you, Lord. Give me that this week. And I remember it happening. I'm like, this is it. <laughs> and I'm like, holy cow, it happened. You know, God answers prayer. But I'm just saying, pray for that, but also be ready for it. Be ready to give an answer of the hope that lies within us, as the Bible says, right? Be ready to give them God's word. Be ready to give them your testimony. Be ready. Be looking for that. And so the thing is, here we see, though, first of all, we have to have that, that right relationship with God. We have to have that right. If you're not saved here today, you need to be saved. Why? Because you have a hindered relationship with God, a broken relationship with God. Why? Because of sin. But that's, that doesn't end there. God doesn't leave us hopeless. God doesn't leave us helpless. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's a promise directly from God that if you pray to Him, confess that you're a sinner, and ask Him to forgive your sins, and turn to Him alone to be your Savior, God promises to save you and to give you that free gift of eternal life. So if you haven't done that here today, I know pastor would love to talk to you. I could talk to you as well, too. But you have to get that settled. Why? Because it's the most important thing. You need to uh, reconcile, fix your relationship with God. You need to be saved here today. But we see here also, not just loving God and that's it. It's not, I love God and forget everybody else. I don't care about anybody else. No. We need to love others as well. 
And that's what we see clearly presented here in this passage, you know. And so the next time, like I said, you're in Walmart. I remember, I'll never forget, they're in the downtown Honolulu Walmart. Sorry, all the Moana Walmart. I remember just sitting there one time pushing my wagon and just kind of hits me. I'm like, all these people are going to spend eternity somewhere. And I tell you what, when you see that, I mean, you don't just see a store clerk. You don't just see that Walmart person, whatever. You start to see people as Jesus saw people. You start to see souls, you know. And that's when it makes you think, well, maybe I can say something to them. Maybe I can give that, that gospel track. Maybe I can try to make a difference. And so, once again, I just encourage you to allow this passage to really change your view, really to change your life. Not just for the sense that you can say, well, you know, I, I see there's neighbors out there. No, that you see that there's souls out there who are going to spend eternity somewhere and that you have the key. You have the answer. And it's not, you're not the answer. It's not because you're so amazing. It's not because you're so special. It's because the God that we serve. It's because Jesus is alive. You know, that, that's, that's the, the, the good news that we can proclaim to this world. But the question is, are you going to do that? Are you going to do that here today? So once again, I leave you with this question, and I want you to think about it, and I want you to think, when you answer that question, who you, whoever the answer may be, I want you to pray for them, number one, and I want you to go to them with the good news of the gospel some way, somehow, someday. But once again, who is your neighbor? Think of that person. Think of that family. Think of that group of people, whoever it may be. My question I want to leave you with, who is your neighbor? And of course, go and make a difference for the Lord here this evening. Pastor. You know, in the last several weeks, we've had two missionaries that, uh, boy, their, their fields are certainly different from one another. But one thing that you can say about both of them is, is they love their ministry. And they love the field that God has called them to. And, of course, that is their neighbors. You know, this last Sunday, we talked about uh, Jesus coming to Galilee and meeting the apostles there after he had risen from the dead when uh, those six apostles decided that they were going to quit, that they were going to go back to fishing, go back to doing, uh, go doing what they were, uh, what they knew, what they were familiar with, and and then as, as Jesus met them on the shore there and caused them to catch that that the second miraculous catch of fishes, and they realized it was Jesus, and they came to shore. Jesus already had. Uh, a meal there ready for them already had a fire there ready for them and as they gathered around that fire and started to eat Jesus asked Peter um, Simon lovest thou me and remember he asked that three times and on all three occasions Jesus said or Peter said yes Lord uh, of course I love you on the third time he was very irritated and he said thou knowest you know that I love you but Jesus' reply to him to those answers all three times was, show me, show me. Um, don't say it, show me. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, and you know, John was there when Jesus said this. And uh, like I think all the apostles, they took everything in. And of course, Peter and, and, and John, they were able to write these things down. But John wrote this in 1 John chapter 3, verse number 18. My little children, let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. We can say we love all that we want. We can say we love Jesus. We can sing, oh, how I love Jesus. But Jesus says, don't sing it. Don't say it. Show it. And boy, uh, he definitely showed it to us, uh, did he not? Hereby perceive we the love of God. Because he laid down his life 
for us, according to 1 John 3.16. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren, 1 John 3.16. So as Jesus showed us his love, he didn't simply say it. As a matter of fact, he, he doesn't say it a whole lot. He does say it, but he shows it. This is how we, this is how we know the love of God. Not because he goes around saying, oh, I love you, Steve, and I love Corridor Baptist Church. No, it's because he laid down his life for us. My little children, let us not love in word. There's, a, a, there, there's enough of saying, oh, I love you. Don't say it. Show it. And, of course, we need to show it to our neighbors. Who is our neighbor? Jesus could not have, have answered that. As far as that Jew was concerned that he was talking to, he couldn't have answered it in a worse way. He used a Samaritan. Uh, they disliked the Gentiles, but they despised the Samaritans. And Jesus said, that's your neighbor. That's your neighbor right there. Who is my neighbor? Um, those who need Jesus, and oftentimes they are the ones who rub us the wrong way, aren't they? Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed.